right, so welcome to the Nurses in the No Show. I'm your co-host, Kristen, and this is... The other co-host, Hannah. And we would like to welcome you to the... Nurses, Nurses in the, the No Show! show. Hi, this is Hannah and Kristen from Nurses in the Know. <laughs> Let me try that one more time. Hi, this is Hannah and Kristen from Nurses in the Know. Yes, that was good. I'm probably going to like yeah. cut that sound bite and use it. You just guys wait and see. Oh man, I can't, I can't wait. All right, so welcome to another episode of Nurses in the Know. This is your co-host and co-founder, Kristen. We have Hannah here and a very special guest. We have David Metzger. He is a nurse, a father, and a fellow podcaster just like us. And he has a podcast called Nurse Papa. And if you haven't checked it out before, you are missing out. Hi, David, and welcome. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Hannah. It's so good to talk to you guys, finally. Yeah, finally. We've been planning this interview for a while. It took a while, but you know, all good things you must wait for, right? This is true. This is true. 2020 has taught us that. (laughs) Yes. We learn how to wait. Very well. Yes. In line for toilet paper, water, Mm -hmm. gas. It's like a hurricane. Have you guys ever skipped that line because you are healthcare workers? Yes. No. I've gone early in the mornings to get things from the Sam's Club. And it was so nice that they were able to do that. And I also took the advantage of BP and free gas for healthcare workers. So, yes. Oh, wow. We didn't get that. Of course, we haven't really driven our car this year. So, we didn't really need gas. Wow. We actually don't even leave our houses. We just kind of hang out here. Oh, well, I can say I do that now because I work from home, but <laughs> at the time I was doing 45 minutes to an hour commute one way. So. Oh, wow. That's yep. a, that's yeah, a long time to drive. I'm always on the road. All right. So David. Yes. Tell us a little bit. Obviously, you're a nurse or you wouldn't be on our show. That would be so- uncomfortable if I was, you know, like something else. Like a- <laughs> that just to throw people off. So <laughs> tell us about your specific field of nursing and kind of how you got into it. Yeah. So my name is David, um, father of two, host of Nurse Papa, the podcast, and also of an upcoming book of the same name. I am a pediatric oncology nurse, which is a job I've, I've held for 13 years. And actually, it's the only nursing job I've ever had. Oh, wow. Uh, That's amazing. Yes. Uh, I don't know how common that is for people to maintain the same job, but for me, it's been a perfect fit. Um, I never planned to be a nurse. It's I, I, I don't want to say it's something I fell into, but it's something I, I had to find. It was my second career. And um, you know, it's been a really amazing journey so far. We find that a lot. Nurses either never plan to become a nurse or like it's something they've dreamt of their whole life. And I, I have other dreams. <laughs> it's mostly the male nurses that we've interviewed or been around, they kind of have the same storyline when it gets to like becoming a nurse. That was me too. Well, uh-huh. yeah. I, I be a nurse. So my mom is a nurse. My dad is a doctor. Oh. Um, oh. I never intended to be a nurse. Before I was a nurse, I was a sculptor. I had a, a, oh, sculpt, wow. a sculpting company and, you know, I, I was very prepared to be a poor, semi-poor artist for the rest of my life. There you go. Um, but at some point, the lifestyle and also, um, you know, my need to have more 
connection with people led me to apply to nursing school. And that's what I did. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you went to nursing school. What made you decide pediatric oncology? So that's really interesting. Um, At least for my program, I'm not sure how it was for you. Uh, Mine was a master's entry program. So I had to actually, when I applied, I had to pick what I was going to do, which is a a crazy concept to me now. Like how how are you supposed to know what you're supposed to do? Um, Crazy. Yeah, you know, I think you know my institution. Um, you know, they wanted they wanted to put people in boxes. It's easier for them to organize their specialties like that, so you know who's coming in. And I get it, but um, that didn't work for me. So I signed up to be an acute care adult nurse, um, <laughs> and it seemed appropriate. You know, just like every other guy who enters nursing. Right, because that can set you up to go do CRNA, which is like a happy medium between. The nurse and the doctor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but in any case, I was very lucky to have the opportunity to do a pediatrics, you know, a, cl- a clinical rotation during that time. And um, I'll never forget my first patient that first day. I, w- I was, you know, told to go into a room to take care of a crying patient. You know, a nurse was basically screaming over her shoulder, like, get, you know, make stop that girl from crying. And I went into this room. And there was this little girl, she must have been three years old, just standing there, um, you know, bawling her eyes out, screaming, you know, holding to the edge of the crib. And she had this syndrome called Stephen Johnson's disease. And it's basically an autoimmune oh. disease. You, you might have seen it. Yeah. Um, it's horrible. You know, it's horrible with an adult, but much less a child. You know, your entire body is covered with sores and lesions. And it's incredibly painful and debilitating. And I had no idea what to do with this child. I had no experience with kids. I didn't know how I could be helpful or even how I could be present with this child. Um, so I just picked her up and I started rocking and singing a song that I'd been you know, working on at that time. And she slowly stopped crying and she looked me in the eyes and she put her big thumb in her mouth. And we were just there, you know, for, I don't know how long, just kind of being together. And that really like set something off in my head about what I was supposed to do with my life. And it's not like I'm Mother Teresa or some super special person. But in that moment, I realized that I was, it was going to, it was plainly obvious that I needed to work with kids. So Aww. the next day I went to my, um, to the head of the program and I told her I was switching to pediatrics and that's what happened. Wow. The very next day, like this one child changed the course of your entire career. Yeah, and you know, I really believe in those moments. Yes. You have to be open to them. And that, to me, that's like nursing in the moment. Like, that's your nursing moment. And I think as yes. nurses, we all have them. Like, um, And if, you, if you're a nurse and you're listening right now and you don't feel like you've had your nurse moment, then maybe the position or the rewarding, you know, nursing moment is in a different position for you. I mean, like you said, yeah, you I have to say it was adults and here you had your aha nursing moment with this little three year old. And I think that, yeah, I mean, it was a big leap of faith. Like, you know, I had no idea if I was going to be good at it. And I think that's kind of the point you, you have to follow your intuition at some point. And, you know, since then it's been well confirmed in my, in my mind, in my heart that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but it was a rough road. Like, it's not an easy discipline to enter. It's mm-hmm. not an easy discipline to um, to learn. And it's been incredibly challenging, incredibly re- rewarding. But like, 
I would never say it was easy. Like, no, it was super hard. Yeah. And what, what takes what someone you... very special to do peds in general, but to take it to the next step and do oncology, like that's, it takes a very special nurse and person to do that. It's a specific personality for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What made you decide to pursue like pediatric oncology specifically? I wish I could tell you that I had a reason for it. I don't, I could barely spell oncology at that point in my life, (laughs) but I can spell it really well now. (laughs) O-N-C-O-L-O-G-Y. Oh, two points. No, I'm just kidding. That's right. We're done, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, You don't even have to use it in a sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Honestly, um, I, I knew I was interested in, in pediatrics and, there was job openings on the pediatric oncology floor. And, this, you know, this is one thing I want to mention to new grads. Um, it, when you do one job, if it's possible, show up. Because what I did was I I went to the floor. I knocked on the manager's door. And I don't think anybody had ever done that to him. Um, <laughs> and he straight up interviewed me in that moment. Um, and, of course, it led to a more formal interview. But I got my foot in the door. And, you know, there was like thousands of applicants for this one job. So um, putting a face to my name at that point was super valuable and you need to like personalize who you are and why you want to do something for somebody to want you to be there. Yeah. It sounds like um, when we interviewed Christian and he just showed up to HR one day and was like, Hey, what you got for me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you have to break the mold a little bit. And it's true, but I feel like, And again, going back to what we were saying earlier, a lot of the men that have interviewed with us, their stories are kind of the same and they do have that take charge moment where they just go and they're like, hey, what do you have? Or interview me. And I feel like that's just, that's what everybody should do. I mean, just show up because at the end of the day, what do you have to lose? They're going to say, no, sorry, we don't have an option like an opening for you but they can still like you say you said David put a face to the name and I feel like that just helps with your networking too yeah I think it helps with your life I I think um it's important to be confident in who you are and um but also be willing to learn and be willing to be wrong you know it's confidence is good but humility is really important as well So what, you've been in this position for 13 years. What has, like, made you stay? What's your favorite part about your job, I guess? I mean, I love that every day I go to work. Um, I can learn a new thing if I'm if I'm open to it. I love my colleagues. They're just amazing, amazing people. Um, I love the patients. I love their parents. I love the dynamics of working with kids. You know, it's completely different from... Working with adults, I imagine. <laughs> I've never done it. Um, I love that we practice um, family-centered care, which means when I take care of a kid, I'm taking care of them. I'm taking care of their brothers and sisters. I'm taking care of their mom and dads. Anybody who's in that room is part of my, you know, of my world there. And if there's something that's off, it's, it's something I need to address. And I also love that these parents are my partners in taking care of these kids. You know, there's so many times where I've had a mom or dad, usually the mom, let's be honest, the moms are really <laughs> in tune with their kids and the way that dads are not, you know, they'll say something like, you know, 
there's something wrong with my son. There's something wrong with my daughter now. Let's get to the bottom of it. And they're right. They're always right. Um, and so they're really important in providing just amazing care to their kids. They're, they're partners in the process. I mean, there's so many things about this job that I love. See, that's it's interesting. I don't know. I feel like adults is a totally different world. And I can't even wrap my head around it. Because when a family member to me, I sound so jaded. When yeah. a family member to me is like, there's something wrong. I'm like, no, there's not. They're good. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say, like, I'm I'm a particularly optimistic person. Um, <laughs> maybe not all my co- my colleagues will have this exact same viewpoint. You know, there's definitely some jaded nurses on my floor. Um, but I just like to give people the benefit of the doubt. And it's important to me to... Um, to listen to people. Oh, for sure. I, and not that I don't listen. It, it makes me sound like a really terrible nurse. You just don't care. <laughs> I care. But also, like, I don't, I take it with a grain of salt. Yes. Just, well, but, however, I would smart. Thing. Whenever, whenever a patient tells me that they're going to die, I always oh. take it seriously. Because that always happens. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know that if the patient's like, I'm going to die today, you're like, crap. Yeah, that's not something that people just say. No. Uh, and I have little. to say that does not happen on the pediatric oncology no. floor. And I, think I some, well, that, that's a big difference too, Hannah. Like, there he's dealing with little people with you know can't these diagnoses that they have for longer term than our acute yeah. care setting. So that makes a difference too. And you know we're dealing with adults, and some of them in the past before COVID, you know, were glorified PCU patients that really shouldn't have been the ICU. So then that's where that kind of family dynamic um, or resistance probably comes from. And not only that, but I think it's like uh, facility based as well. So like David was saying, you know, that's what they practice as a unit. And I think that in oncology and in oncology, I'm having a tongue twister. I'm sorry. O-N-C-O-L-O-G-Y. Thank you. In oncology, you need that family unit. Um, Yeah. And don't get me wrong. There are definitely families who impede the therapeutic process. But um, you have to, you have to allow them to, to do what they're going to do. I mean, as a father myself, I understand how difficult it is having kids baseline. Mm -hmm. Healthy ones are hard. Having a sick child is a whole different ballgame, and you have to give families a break. They're going through some yeah. serious times. Yeah, yeah, I have to share this story. So in nursing school, I was in pediatrics clinical, and the nurse manager for a large pediatric hospital, um, she was actually the manager director of education for pediatrics, and she thought that my calling in life was going to be pediatric oncology. So my first day of clinicals, she shipped me off to the oncology floor. And what she didn't realize is that after three days, we had a heart to heart because she was like, this is what you need to do. You have one more semester in school. You will reach out to me and email me and I will find you a job because this is your calling. Like you've got all the right parts for it. And I, on the third day, was crying because I'm like, I cannot justify how a little person has cancer. Like, I can in older people, you know, they've lived their lives, they've seen, they've been married, or they've, you know, how you try to justify 
life, right? And yes. I'm like crying and I'm I've like never cried and and she's like but you have such a caring heart and you really want to help and you do great with little people and I'm like no not this well, like two two things with that one nobody knows your calling except you right, and I think exactly I think it's sweet that somebody saw something in you and yes, she happened just to be right me. or wrong about it <laughs> yeah, she's, and you know it's a great discipline but you know a second point is yeah, it's hard seeing these kids suffer. It's hard seeing them die. It's hard seeing them in pain. Um, but for me, that's not a reason not to be there because right. horrible things happen all the time. Yes. I mean, there's a civil war in Yemen. There's a civil war in Ethiopia. You know, Sudan sucks. Every, there's so many horrible things in the world. But just yep. because you turn off the TV and you don't see them doesn't mean they're not there. Exactly. I'd write, I like to be there. I want to have a positive effect if I can and and not ignore the fact that kids die from cancer i mean hopefully they won't die from cancer in 20 years but right now they are yeah and that's why it takes such a special nurse because i'm like yeah i realized it early that like i would take it home and it would cause like a lot of detriment to me personally (laughs) because i just don't have that bandwidth to handle it yeah Yeah, there's there's a growth process there too yeah i can deal with death like doesn't like I don't really take death home with me you know there's every once in a while there's that like one patient that like really affects you and you'll always remember them but like and of course like I'm still in the moment with the patient obviously I just don't take it home but peds like I love children I'm very good with children I can't take care of them I just I I it's like the one thing that like I can't shut off and not take home with me and I learned that very early on in my nursing career too that like it's just not for me not that I I wouldn't love it um I would love it if I could if I had the capacity to just shut it off and not take it home yeah it's good to know what your limits are yeah so what is what's the most difficult part of your job I think it's hard to see somebody die it's hard to see somebody you care about die um I I have to say though it's it's also a process I find to be beautiful you know, there is a, a process of letting go, a process of family saying yeah. goodbye, a process of reconciling and, and death. Yeah. yeah. And the, you know, so last week um, I had a young man die on me mm-hmm. and, you know, I was close to him. I'd, I'd known him for a while. I'd taken care of him for a long time. And it was no doubt to me that he was going to pass away months ago. Um. And it's horrible. It sucks. But yeah. um, it's just part of what we do. You know, it's funny because, you know, that happened and I didn't really express in my own heart, like my sadness over it. Mm-hmm. But I saw it come out. You know, I, when I came yeah. home, I came home the, the day after he died. And my son, who's four and is just genetically built to get underneath my skin right now. He said, <laughs> Papa. Papa, I, I hate you. Oh. <laughs> and like, you know, it's coming from a four-year-old. And, you know, normally I would try to, to shrug that off. Like, it's just my son kind of playing with the idea of words and like, you know, feeling what they mean. But that just floored me. And I, I think it's because I felt so vulnerable in that moment with this patient. Um, yeah. You know, somebody who I definitely, cons- I, didn't, I wasn't his father, but I definitely felt a a fatherly sense to him and that part of me was really raw. So, you know, in, in the way you were talking about before, 
I cannot compartmentalize between the hospital and the home. I think I accepted that, accepted that a long time ago that this is just going to be the way it is. You know, I think it, it's part of that happens naturally in your heart and your brain, mm-hmm. but everything bleeds over and you just have to deal with it. Yeah. So how do you deal with it? Like, are there any things that like, you know, you've been doing this for 13 years. Are there any things that have like really helped you or maybe you're in a spot where or in a season of your life where you're like, you know, this is just too much right now. Is there anything that, you know? I mean, that happens. Sometimes you're overwhelmed and you just kind of have to muscle through it. I think so once you've done something for as long as I've had and, you know, trust me, there have been women and men on my unit who've been there for 15, 20 years longer than I have. But, you know, I'm wow. I'm not a beginner. Um when you meet a child for the first time and you know their diagnosis, you know what what stage it's at, you know where they're at, I'd say most of the time you know how it's going to end. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're surprised, sometimes you're surprised the wrong way, and sometimes you're surprised the right way. Um, but for the most part, you know, the body is the body, and it generally works the way it does every time, the same way. So having that information and Knowing that a child who's got, you know, stage four osteosarcoma, you know, in their arm and their lungs and their brains when they come in, knowing that that is not going to result in child living, it's actually super helpful because it puts me in a space where I'm treating the patient, but not necessarily depending upon the product of our treatment to be a good thing. And that's how I want to be with every kid, even if they're going to have a great outcome. I really want to treat the patient. I really want to have, you know, understanding about what their quality of life is and, you know, what my relationship is with them. And you just have to accept that the process is what is important sometimes. It's not the fact that you're going to rescue this child. It's that you help them to have a beautiful life in whatever way you could during that time. You've helped them realize something that was, you know, really special before they died. Um, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to mention the story, but um, I was thinking about when I was looking at your questions. And so I took care of this, this patient, his name was Jason. Uh, This was like six years ago and it was right before I started my book. And it was kind of what inspired me to write it. And he came into the hospital um, and he was supposed to get a liver transplant. Like his liver was failing him. And they opened him up and they found a giant tumor. Like for some reason they were n- not aware of it before. And it basically meant like, you're not getting a liver transplant. You've got this cancer. You're going to die basically. And he was a 15 year old. He'd been, you know, morbidly ill for a long time. So he was going to die. I was his nurse. Every shift I had that those two weeks that he was in the hospital with us. And like at some point he was in so much pain that he didn't really seem to have any other identity. It was just pain, pain. This is who I am. Mm. It wasn't just physical pain. It was like this existential pain of like, I'm a 15 year old and I'm going to die. And I don't have any way to like express this or make it better. And it was horrible. I, I remember just sitting there talking to our, our pain team and just crying. Like I want to make him better. And I'm just remembering this now. I want to make him better. And I can't, there's nothing I can do to make this better. And it wasn't. And, but then at some point I realized that there's, there's other ways to do things. You don't always have to fix everything. So I remember one day he had refused a bath for like a week. You know, he just, he didn't want to move. And 
you know, myself and a few of my colleagues gave him this just luxurious bath. It was just like so caring and so present. And I remember he laid down and he put his arms you know, behind his head and he could have been like a boy on the, on a beach at that point. He was so, you know, just relaxed and in tune with himself. And it was the first moment where I felt like we really connected where he saw me as a human and he saw that I saw him. And then I was in his room, um, a couple hours later and I thought he was sleeping, but all of a sudden he just like started talking to me and he had never used my first name before. And he said, he said, David, do you have any pets at home? Which is such a random question. (laughs) And I said, um, no, I don't, we don't have any pets. We used to have a cat, but my daughter who was a baby at that point, um, didn't like the cat. So we got rid of it. And he said, well, we have cats too. I have three of them. Um, but we had to put one of them down because she was old and she wouldn't eat. And I said, Jason, that's really sad that that happened. I'm so sorry. And then he said, yeah, it is. But it's something you have to get used to if you love cats. And like, that was just such a profound statement by him in that moment as he too lay dying in bed. Because it was so clear to me that he wasn't talking about cats. He was talking about himself Mm. and how, you know, he was ready to die too. And he understood how it was just, it is what what it is if you... If you have cats, you have to get used to them dying. And if you live life, you have to accept that you too will die. And, you know, he died two, two days later. But I really think we, we discovered something together in that moment. And we didn't fix anything. He was still in pain. He still died. His dad was still at bedside, you know, crying his eyes out when he died. But, you know, we, we made it to some conclusion. You don't have to fix everything. It's impossible. Yeah. And sometimes you, like you said, like, that was a really beautiful story, but sometimes you simply can't, like, there's nothing that can be done to fix it. So like, you just have to be in the moment and make the best of the time that you have. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's something I've really learned as a human, as a parent, as a nurse, Um, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up for trouble if you think you can make everything better. Yeah. And I think like realistic expectation in a lot of these cases. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm like, my nose is all stuffed up. I'm like crying. (laughs) It got me because it's, it's so true. And I had a similar situation that I'm reflecting on as well. And it's, it's in that moment with your patient when they see their own, like, um, their limitations to their life and mortality and it's like it's a beautiful thing when there's acceptance and peace and whatever higher power they believe in and at a facility that I worked at was a Christian based so we were able to pray with patients and those moments are much easier than the other patients um that you know aren't ready. And are yeah, fighting. I mean, God bless those patients yeah. and their parents who yeah. do believe in a higher power and you know have a strong Christian background or whatever background they have that allows them to yeah. gracefully die. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. have that. Um, yeah. That's not part of my makeup, and it's mm-hmm. it's okay. And I'm I'm fine with that. Um, I view death in a different way than probably most of my patients and their parents do. But I'm so happy for them <laughs> that they have that. Because they're it's at great. peace. Yeah. 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 I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm close to my death. I'm going to have to find something, girls. 
<laughs> podcasting. Podcast. I'm gonna be podcasting from the bedside. Nurse Papa go. here. Oncology. <laughs> so let's make this a little bit more lighthearted because you're you're pulling at my heartstrings today. I'm sorry, I didn't oh, mean to. No, it's okay. It's okay. I knew this was gonna be a heavy, honestly, a heavy episode. But can I say something first? Like, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. there are sad stories. There are so many sad stories, but they are there are so many funny stories too. Oh, I swear. Hilarious. Yeah, I spend my day laughing with these families and their kids. It is just a great place. And I, I mean, I could tell you so many stories that would make you, you know, feel happy about what we do as well. So, so then in no, this I, like totally happy don't. moment, what are some like the best personality traits for oncology nurses or pediatric oncology nurses? I mean, I say number one, you have to be playful. You have to be patient. I have spent many minutes listening to the hearts and lung sounds of teddy bears before I even come close to a patient. You know, and that's, it's just what you got to be. You can't just hop up on these kids. They are traumatized. They're scared. They have to know you. They have to trust you. I do lots of arts and crafts with these kids. You know, I have this art background and Mm -hmm. it was, it's really fun for me to, to make things for these, for these kids. You know, I had a, patient a couple weeks back who I made her she's one of those girls who really likes to help you know she's always pushing meds into her NG or and I'm like girl you're a nurse you know you're 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 a four-year-old but you're a nurse so I made her like a super realistic um nurse ID you know that she could put on her on her gown and that girl just would not be parted from the ID she would sleep with it she'd wake up in the morning she's like mama where's my ID where's my nurse ID um, oh. and you know I, I think that. it's so it's so important to get on these kids level so for to be a pediatric nurse to be a pediatric oncology nurse too that you are developing these relationships with these kids over a very long time you need to be playful you need to be present and I think that goes for nursing in general you need to be present yes yeah and playful because I mean like okay maybe not in the same sense that you're using the word but like there have been so many times where I've had patients and they're just down in the dumps yeah. and like you can just kind of use comedy and just like, you I know mean, what I mean? Just you like walked being in on me playing a- bingo with one of the patients. <laughs> yeah. And Uno. Yeah. Literally, but like, you know, just little things like that, like playing bingo with a patient when, you know what I mean? Like they know that they're, they're terminal or they just have had the worst news ever and they just need something to, to just take a moment to get away and have a little laugh. Yeah. I, I think that's so important in nursing and just I mean, not I think that there's still people. One secret that most people don't know is that, you know, in these hallways, in these rooms, life doesn't stop. Life goes on. Yeah. These yeah. kids grow, they cry, they, they meet obstacles, you know, and eventually they sometimes die, but they're still growing and changing every moment until they get there. It's an evolution and it doesn't stop. And if you want to hop on and be part of that process, whether it's a healing process or a dying process or both, you need to be present and you need to have some levity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for nurses who are specifically interested in pediatric oncology or maybe just pediatrics in general, pediatrics is kind of a, a one of those difficult fields to get into right out of nursing school. Yes. Um, what do you recommend for those new nurses to like kind of make themselves more marketable to get, get these types of positions out of, out of school? 
I mean, you should definitely start a podcast. I think that will help. <laughs> Number one, podcast. <laughs> uh, no. um, pod, podcast. Um, so I'm a horrible piece of person to take to give advice about that because I didn't do any of the right things. I didn't you just, do, you're just I, sort of like, yo, interview me. <laughs> I guess like, yo. Um, no, I just showed up. Um, you know, I didn't have any kind of um, capstone. I didn't do any specialty training <laughs> whatsoever. I didn't know how to spell oncology. Um, but if yeah. one if one is interested in those disciplines now, it's a different story. Um, it's not the Wild West anymore. You need to yeah. show a, a very specific interest in what you're doing. You need, you need to do a capstone, which I don't know what that's called in Florida, but it's basically you intern as a, you know, as a nursing student yeah. in a specialty. So they know like, yes, this person wants to do this. Um, so you need to be very focused and get every specialty that you can. I have none of that. Um, I'm a, I'm not going to be your, um, the, your person to follow in this way, <laughs> but I have, um, I've got different interests. I'm not interested in being an advanced practice nurse or um, being a leader on my floor other than a leader in how maybe one should be as far as with like precepting, not necessarily charge nurse or assistant nurse manager. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've done all those things and I don't, I don't like them. I, I like to work with patients directly, but I do like to act as an example to my colleagues and as a collaborator with my colleagues to show them, this is how it works for me. This is how I, you know, am the best possible nurse for me. And maybe it's a good way for you too. I love that. I love that. So, well, I guess piggybacking off that, do you have any certifications? I, I'm sure you have to, are you, do you infuse chemo or? Yeah, I give chemo all the time. I have um, the baseline certifications to administer chemo, um, but nothing else. You know, there's okay. something called CPON, um, AFON. There's lots of things you can do um, and you should do them. If you're interested in doing that, if you're interested in having, you know, um, more letters behind your name i definitely think you should do that i am happy with rn he sounds like me like <laughs> hannah's like get certified out the wazoo and i'm over here like nah man i'm very content right yeah no nah, man i'm good <laughs> uh, no, like, i just have you know and i don't know how it is for other people who also make this decision but i have so many interests outside of nursing yeah you know um writing making art um you know, I have a whole life that doesn't belong just, you know, in the hospital. And I need to give my as much energy and time as I can to those things. And I'm also a parent. It just, I don't have the bandwidth to pursue that leadership part of nursing. It's not what I'm interested in. Yeah. Oh, I'm not interested in leadership either. I just, <laughs> I have a life outside of nursing. I just love certifications. And- Girl, I'm a follower. <laughs> <laughs> I just do what I, I do what I like. Yeah, and, and that's kid, what you should do. Exactly. You just have <laughs> to know what's best for you personally. I mean, like, I'm a super busy person who's usually never home, going Same. constantly. But <laughs> I just knew that that was not for me. Yeah. <laughs> In hindsight, okay, I might say, yeah, I wish I would have done that, but where I'm headed future wise, it's really not going to be beneficial for me. Exactly. You need to be honest with yourself and you need to be conscious of the decisions you make. I think that's the real key. You can make lots of decisions. Just know that you're doing them or not doing them. Yeah. Yeah. 
I feel that. For sure. So, okay. What made you start? Let's talk about Nurse Papa. What made you mm-hmm. start Nurse Papa? So, um, I kind of answered that question. So, you know, yeah, this, with this patient, Jason, um, it's not his real name, but we're, we're, we're remaining HIPAA right now. Yes. Um, so I, I decided in that moment, like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe this boy just said that to me. Like, this feels like it's out of a book. Like mm-hmm. somebody wrote that line, but nobody did that. That line came from his mind and his, and his heart. And I was like, people need to hear these stories. They need to see what happens behind you know, these rarefied walls and nobody gets that opportunity. Nobody gets to spend the hours in these you know rooms, these hospital rooms that I get to. And God bless them. I'm so glad that they don't, because if they did, that would mean that they're there for a really bad reason. Yeah. But there's something to be gained from this experience. And I wanted to start recording these stories. And, you know, at first it was me just writing these little um, thoughts on my iPhone as I would kind of travel between between rooms. And all of a sudden it became a book. And then as that evolved, it became this idea that as a dad and as a pediatric nurse, there is this meeting of the minds where I can learn so much from these parents and these kids about how to be a dad. Yeah. And likewise, my role as a father has such an incredible effect on the way I interact with these patients. So the idea of Nurse Papa is that there are these two roles and that they're not separate. And they may even be kind of hanging out in this weird in-between space where I don't know if I'm ever really comfortable as a nurse or a dad, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a place where I'm always learning and always wanting to experience more. I love that. Can you <laughs> tell us, and you have, you have a book coming out in August? Yeah, so the book Nurse Papa, um, it's called um, 16 Meditations on Parenting from a Pediatric Oncology Nurse, which is me. Um, and it took me five years to write. <laughs> wow. Um, it's a pretty extensive book, um, you know, because I didn't really depend just on my own experiences. I, mm-hmm. I interviewed about 20 other nurses and a bunch of parents of kids who, some of who have lived and some of who have passed away and doctors and patients themselves. And tried to give some context to all these stories. And in each chapter, there's a loose lesson on something I've learned from, you know, one of these kids or their parents. And it's not a a pedantic lesson where I'm telling you this is how you need to parent. But it's really a way of putting the parenting experience in context and giving people a way to be conscious of, of what they're doing. Like, I can't... I can't claim to be a parenting expert. I don't have a PhD. I don't have a master's. But I, I do have a PhD in life right now. I mean, you know, you, you spend enough time with these families and, you know, you learn a lot and you just need to realize that you have learned it. And yeah. I think yeah. that that's super important to like point out. Yes, you don't have a PhD in it, but if you go to the bookstore and you look at some of these like parenting textbooks or books or how to's they're just authors with no phd either i mean don't get me wrong i'm sure there are some out there child psychologists (laughs) you know but there there's authors out there just talking about you know life with twins or you know what i mean yeah so I mean, and I had many of these books on my bedstand before I had a child, you know, the the ones where the authors were PhDs. And I rarely got past the first line, oh, you're having a baby. Right. Before I fall asleep. 
<laughs> yeah. So I wanted to put a book out there that would be accessible for parents mm-hmm. to, you know, understand this experience and maybe learn from it, cry from it, laugh from it, and just like, you know, experience it. And it's been a great journey for me to write. It's been really fabulous. Um, so now that I, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you finished, please. <laughs> so yeah, now that I wrote the book, um, which took me five years and kind of put my wife and my family through hell because I was so focused on it, <laughs> I've decided to start a podcast. <laughs> hey, it's um, only natural. Only natural, yes. Yeah, you, you what, you interviewed 20 people for your book, so that really gave you uh the foundation and your your podcast isn't necessarily interview style. Can you tell us a little bit about oh yes, yeah. so we can point people in your direction? Sure. So Nurse Pop of the podcast is a completely different experience from the book. Um, I realize I have a lot to write about. So in each episode of Nurse Papa, um, from the perspective of a pediatric oncology nurse and father, I take a deep dive into like a story of parenthood. Um, you know my experiences, and mm-hmm. hopefully come out on the on the other side with a some meaning or some understanding of of where I went wrong or where I went right. And then in the second half half of each episode, I answer a letter from, you know, one of my listeners in a section called Dear Nurse Papa. So it's I think it's a pretty fun listening experience. You know, it's mm-hmm. meant to to give listeners and not necessarily parents, but um to give listeners and an inside view of what it's like to be a parent, you know, all the just craziness, the sadness, the happiness, the frustrations and the victories and do it in a playful way. Yeah. It's definitely very playful. You have all sorts of sound effects and you even have your own kids on there sometimes, don't you? Oh yes. Yeah. My daughter is, my daughter is in every episode and she's my sometimes willing partner (laughs) (laughs) in this, um, in this project of mine. And my son is starting to enter as well. And my okay. wife. So, you know, it's a family affair. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So where can we point people in the right direction to find you? What, what, uh, it's just Nurse Papa on all podcast streaming platforms? Or? Yeah. So if you have one of those devices called a smartphone, you open <laughs> it up and you go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts yeah. and you search for Nurse Papa and it, you will find it. Um, there's actually the picture of my podcast is the also the picture that graces the cover of my upcoming book. Nice. I love that. And, and my daughter drew it. Oh, that's <laughs> Your daughter better. drew it. Yes. Yeah. No, she's very talented. I mean, I, I helped her out, but it was her idea. <laughs> that's so touching. Where can people find you on social media? Um, you can find me at Nurse Papa the Book on Instagram. You can find me at Nurse Papa on Twitter um, and David Metzger on Facebook. Um I try not to spend too much time on social media, but it is kind of a necessary evil at this point in my life. Yeah. 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 We, we, we feel you. Yeah, so sure you do. Social media people. Like I, like if you go on my social media, mm-hmm. um, which some of you, our listeners have found and like kind of follow me. I'm like, there's nothing to follow. Cause I post maybe once every six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard. I don't, I don't prefer it's not, it's not my natural resting point, but. No, me neither. So it's yeah. an, a challenge to kind of navigate the social media aspect yeah you know the hard part is that you're you have to sell your if you have something to sell you have to sell what you're selling and I don't like that um the way I've been approaching it really is just engagement I interact with people you know if they 
find me human enough, they'll seek out what I have. Yep. Yeah. That's organic. We are. Exactly. That'd be pretty organic. And I think it's time for Kristen's favorite part of the show. This brings us to my favorite part of every episode. And David, I don't know if you got a chance to read the little snippet and the reason why the three R's are my all-time favorite. Okay, yeah, I think I saw that. Okay, so this brings us to three R's of your nursing career. And that goes over regrets, redos, and rewards. Um, And your regrets could be missed opportunities or trips or experiences or a time that you would like to, you know, go back and redo or relive. Um, And that could also be your redo as well. Um, And then lastly would be to date, what has been the biggest reward in your nursing career? Hmm. Well, I do have lots of regrets. (laughs) Um, I was thinking about this one patient that, experience I had just a few weeks ago. Uh, I was taking care of this young lady. She's a teenager. Mm-hmm. She has sickle cell anemia. Um, you know, she came in for a pain crisis. She's got lots of issues, lots of mental health issues, lots of psychosocial issues. And I'm, you know, I'm not trained as a psychiatric nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, I do my best to, to approach nurses or excuse me to approach patients in a really sensitive way but mm-hmm. I think I lack the training to deal with you know patients who are really going through it in a way um, that I would appreciate to have in any case um, she was very difficult she was in a lot of pain but she was also very aggressive mm-hmm. um, and as a white male interacting with a african-american female I had I take it very seriously on how careful I have to be and how how I have to um, approach a patient like that, you know, cause I'm in a position of power as far as mm-hmm. giving her pain meds. And I'm sensitive to that. She made it very clear over the three days I took care of her that I was not supposed to touch her. I was not supposed to do anything without asking her. And I totally respect that. Yeah. And at one point um, I, she decided she wanted to go AMA, which for your listeners means she, it means against medical advice. And she had ripped out her IV and she was, Mm. she was bleeding all over her place. Um, And I said, I said to her, can I please make this better? Can I put pressure on this? And she made a vague gesture of her arm towards me. And in that moment, it wasn't good enough. I need her to tell me, yes, you can touch me. You can make, you can do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but she didn't. And, you know, she didn't have the the communication skills to make that happen. But I also was not going to, I wasn't going to step over that chasm. She'd made it clear what she needed from me. Um, in any case, she fired me. Um, I think it was the first time I'd been fired as a, as a nurse in 13 years. Um, it turned into a very negative interaction. Aww. I regret that that's the way it happened, but I don't, I wouldn't redo it. Um, I was true to myself in that moment and I was true to what she had told me. And, it was one of those situations in which it wasn't going to get better. <laughs> yeah. So I do regret it. I think those situations are tough. It's like you, she made it very clear to you that she had very defined boundaries that she needed to be respected. And it's hard as nurses because you just want to help, but also you have to acknowledge their boundaries. Exactly. So I don't think she necessarily did anything wrong in the situation. 
Yeah, um, and I don't think so I did either. Still, it still stinks. Like it's still, you know, I mean, looking back, you're like, I wish this would have gone a different way because I just feel like it didn't go how I wanted it and what would have been best for the patient. But yeah, and for me to relinquish care of a patient is very difficult. Like that patient's yeah. my responsibility to, yeah. so to hand off that patient to a female nurse who you know, had equal, equally bad re- interactions with this patient, but yeah. just was not in the, in the dumpster with her in that moment was hard. Important. It's important to remember, like, you don't know a patient's backstory. You don't know what yeah. they've been through. Maybe he's had some bad, you know, experiences with white men and you know what I mean? Unfortunately, you know what I mean? And you could have been a trigger for her, or maybe, you know, she was just going through something that really had nothing to do with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I was a trigger for her. I absolutely yeah. think I was. Yeah, so. so I think sometimes it's it's easy to be like, to make it about ourselves, yeah. when in reality, it has nothing to do with us and everything to do with them. And all you can do is respect their wishes. And you know what I mean? Like, do what's best for them. Yeah, no, that's speak the truth. That's very true. Very true. It's hard sometimes. Like, I have been fired because they wanted a male nurse. And I'm like, I am just as good. Actually, I know I'm better than that male nurse that you're going to get. So enjoy that. But you can't do that. But you do take it personally because you're like, this is my job and this is my livelihood. And I understand this is your life, but I'm here to save it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It's, It's hard to separate. Yeah. And it's hard to get fired. It's hard to get fired. (laughs) Girl, I've been fired from so many jobs in my life, but it's hard with this job. (laughs) Yeah, like sometimes when patients fire me, I'm like, yes, finally. Totally right. (laughs) No, I like make it my mission. I'm like, you, you're gonna love me. You don't know it yet, (laughs) but you're going to. (laughs) It's a good way to be. Course. <laughs> um, okay, so redos. Redo. I wish that I had a lot more confidence when I was a new nurse. Um, I think that I should have been more forgiving for my my mistakes and my flaws. And you know, I I feel like the way about myself in general. You know, when I was a young man, I was capable of so much, but I don't think I believed in myself. And I wish I could go back and you know, talk to that young man and tell him how, how great he was back then. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but also, you know, my wife reminded me that, because I, I did mention this to her at some point, that you wouldn't be the person you are now if you didn't have the experiences that you had when you were younger. So, you know, in some, in some way, you have to just kind of accept who you are in the moment. But mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't make me wish I could redo, you know, younger David and make him a little bit more confident and happy. I I see this a lot lately with very new new grads. Um, and it's like, it'll be like something simple. Like their preceptor will ask them a question and they're like, oh, like, what does this medication do? And then they like panic. And, and I'm like, no, I know you know this. Like just, Kristen always says, say it with your chest. Like, <laughs> yeah. She does though, like, cause, and yeah. I've seen, and I'll see like, new nurses, and I like, I'm like, just be so intimidated by their preceptors, which sometimes, rightfully so, because sometimes nurses can be bullies, and that's not right either. For sure. But, um, I don't know, there's, 
sometimes over there's overconfidence issues too when oh know. yes don't be too confident <laughs> you have to so, kind of spank them yeah everyone Sorry. learns and gains yeah confidence. if i spank somebody on our floor it might might um, cause some trouble <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you say that, Kristen. Well, I mean, my okay, so my mom says she calls it getting a slap down. And it's not actually like physical uh, abuse, but it's like, um, welcome to earth. The sun and the universe doesn't revolve around you. You've just I had think it's uh, slap another down. way of saying it is put somebody in their place. Yes. Yes. But for the southerners, um, spanked or <laughs> slapped down. Okay. Oh, do you guys consider yourself the the South Florida? Is that is that what's happening? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, Kristen does. I think that's where you live. But you live in the same place, right, Orlando? She is, lives is it, in a very Kristen? urban area. I live around uh, cows and. It, it depends on which neighborhood you're in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well, like Kristen, like grew up around like lots of animals and horses and stuff like that, and gotcha. so yes. I would consider her southern. Me okay. though, I, I'm I'm very like urban. My favorite of the R is rewards. I mean, I think from our conversation already, that should be understood that the greatest rewards of my nursing career has been um, you know, working with amazing people and yeah. learning from them and having the opportunity to give because this is one thing I did not understand when I was younger, that giving is the best thing like if you want to have a fulfilling life you have to give to people you have to give of yourself and you have to allow people to give because it feels so goddamn good to make somebody's life better and you know as a dad if you ask me what's the one best part about being a dad is when i'm able to to fix something for my child not like change the universe but to make them feel better about something or to teach them something just to give to them. Cause that's like what I'm there for. I'm, a, I'm their dad. And as a nurse too, if I can enter your room on that day and fix something for you, make your experience better, make you understood, make you seen. That is, I mean, I don't know why I'm getting paid for this. Like it's, <laughs> it's a great job. <laughs> so that's, that's I your award. It you found that in your career and if you're a nurse out there that hasn't you know found where you truly belong or you feel like you truly belong in nursing don't give up um there there is something out there for you absolutely and you know i am so happy to be you know be a mentor or talk to nursing students who are interested in pediatric oncology i don't claim to be an expert but if anybody needs um some advice or would like to reach out i'm i'm happy to to be that person yeah absolutely um david's super easily reachable on um instagram or social media at nurse papa the book um you can follow him um listen to his podcast at uh nurse papa and thank you so much for coming on the show david it's been uh truly a pleasure and uh very informative for myself because i don't i didn't know anything about pediatric oncology well now you know a little bit more Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget, every Friday we drop a new episode. And 
if you if you want to support us, make sure to give, leave us a five star review and subscribe to our podcast. We're available on all major podcast platforms: Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. If you could also make sure that you're following us for our updates on our socials at Nurses No Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Insta.